0: What's up, podcast buddies? I got to mention that I'm broadcasting live from the beautiful Paradox Hotel in downtown Vancouver. I love being here. Uh, If you're ever in town, uh, come in, knock on the glass door, wave, say hi. I'll come out, give you a hug. That's what I do. I love it. Um, And I'm very grateful for the staff and management here to let me uh, have a home here at the beautiful Paradox Hotel. Also, this episode is brought to you by The Wellness Company. They're now expanded into Canada. They've blown up in the U.S., And Canadians are quickly getting excited about the wellness company because they're building a parallel health system that's putting the patient 1st they We've got a cool platform where you can connect with healthcare professionals. That's that number one, their priority isn't just about giving you a script. That's, that's uh, the cool way of saying prescription, by the way, giving you a script um they're all about finding natural ways for you to solve whatever health issues you've got going on so like hey here's a natural way to do this here's a supplement here's this here's that maybe just talk to someone who specializes in this they're really just all about you know helping you be healthy and natural and i totally dig it so i'm I'm very proud to partner with the wellness company so go to the wellness company website you can use the promo code kid carson for 10 percent off cool thing about the wellness company is their platform is mostly about education so you go there a ton of videos interviews with doctors so you can really kind of dive in and do your own research. (laughs) That's a, you know, gotta be careful. Do your own research. Don't tell anyone you're doing it. They'll make fun of you. God forbid you do your own research. Um, anyways, go to uh, the wellness company's website. And if you do want to get something, you save a couple bucks, um, by using the promo code kid Carson, all one word K I D C A R S O N. Today we are chatting with the founder of a company called the knockout room. Her name is Demi D. Demi is a holistic health coach and a fitness trainer who has dedicated her life to helping young girls and their moms navigate the challenging world of body image and self-esteem. And these are just the the tough subjects, the ones that can worry us the most because there's so many implications if you have poor self-esteem, especially when it comes to your body and the whole thing. So I'm really happy to introduce you to Demi. She offers a program called the Knockout Protocol, which uh, was built to empower tweens to love themselves, love their bodies. And she gives moms the tools to support the daughters during this wild stage of life. It's a very critical stage of development. Demi's all about fostering a kick-ass relationship between mothers and their daughters that will last a lifetime. So let's jump into it. The founder of The Knockout Room, it's Demi D. What is it that you're doing, just in a nutshell, before we dive into it?
1: I'm helping moms of tween girls. So that's the ages of 7 to 12. That... Pivotal age group where you start forming storylines about your body, right? Because this is where all the stories happen and they just kind of get reinforced over time. You've got the media, everybody around there making, you know, giving you advice, giving you their two cents when you don't ask for it. So, really, what I'm doing is I'm helping moms learn how to identify boundaries, then establish them, and then model them for their daughters. So through that coaching, of course, the like the subject of boundaries is very difficult to kind of dive into because as you go deeper and deeper and seeing why you're not doing certain things, it brings up things that maybe are uncomfortable to talk about that people would rather just shove in the corner and never, never bring up because you know sometimes if you look at boundaries in terms of why you allow certain people to make comments about you like why do you let it affect you why is somebody else's opinion somebody you don't even know have such power over you those words somehow are stronger and louder than the words of encouragement that you get from people who actually know you right so so where is this coming from so when we're looking at boundaries you know, you start to look at why you kind of sway when somebody says something specific to you, like, why why are these things happening? And, you know, there's one thing that um, when you look at studying women and girls, there's like three main inner barriers that girls and women face. I'm alone. I'm not enough. I'm invisible. Now you can have a little bit of each of these, but usually there's like a predominant one that you'll see over and over again. Like the one that I found resonated with me most was I'm not enough, like growing up, right? And and I would say, especially right now, I think a lot of people are seeing I'm not enough everywhere on the internet. My cheekbones aren't pronounced enough. I don't have the chest that I've always wanted. I don't have, you know, like I don't have the legs that she has and we're always looking outside and looking for external validation and comparing ourselves to other people. And so one of the things that I'm really looking at with my company is also reframing how we talk about women's bodies. You know, the company name actually came from this brainstorm about all these things I was feeling about the industry, about, um, like my message of like what I wanted to say. Now also, I was also taking kickboxing classes at the time. So this whole punching, kind of knocking things out was also top of mind. But really like the knockout room is, the word comes from all the different words I thought of with knockout, where it was like, first of all, you have like the slang word of knockout describing a woman. And that has a very specific, like very specific characteristics. I think a lot of people think of like, Jessica Rabbit type characteristics. I don't know if that's a dated um, reference for some people, but really like large breasts, very tiny frame. And I think a lot of these features on social media actually help you mold your body into some of these desired traits, Mm. you know? So that's really, um, so that's one way of looking at, you know, the word. The other one was like knocking out the negative things from your mind and just kind of tossing them out. And I remember I started the company. I really started thinking about it when I was living overseas in Copenhagen. I'm based in Toronto. I was living away from my family. And so for me a big part of it was kind of knocking out all of the the noise around me to kind of focus on my goals. And you know, when you're in a competitive program too cuz I was doing my MBA, you know, you have the competitiveness in the classroom too that might, you know, you don't want it to kind of deter you or just kind of lead you in a different direction. So for me, it was the concept may not have been about fitness at that moment, but it was really about getting control of my like my headspace, how I was thinking, remembering that I have my own inner compass and it's not about the gossip or the the talk, not to say that everyone was gossipy, but I mean like having that sort of block of knowing where was my mental boundary. So that was really kind of the beginning of boundaries. How do I define that? And so knocking out can also be like, knocking out the foods. What are the healthy options I want to have? And what do I want to knock out of my space? Mm. So that was really the thought process around the name. (laughs) And um, so really the whole mandate with the company is also just reframing all the stuff that we've been told, you know, what we should believe, what, you know, what certain words mean, and whether somebody is worthy of like, who's pretty, who's not like, who's decided this, And and why is this what we define our life around? You know, like with everything. So that's really the thought process that went behind the name.
0: Well, when you say the word knockout, it also conjures up feelings for me of, like our young girls are literally under attack. It's almost like by design to have them in a position where they are always comparing themselves and they never feel like they're enough. And then they go right out and buy Billions of dollars worth of stuff.
1: If you think about how many companies would go under if people left themselves, right? Because that's the thing is like, we have to make you think that there's something wrong with you so that you go buy this thing that will make it better.
0: It's almost everything.
1: Right. Everything.
0: I'm trying to think of, uh, even if the thing is useful, but it's the brand of thing. Because then just the, the brand of that says something about you. Well, I have the best version of it or yeah, you're right. There is almost everything,
1: you know, and this is, this is more of a long-term kind of plan that I think, you know, could take years to just change the mindset. But my goal was at least with my own impact, it's like, okay, well, what can I do with the knowledge I have so far, The you know, my own experiences of growing up, um, you know, in this world. And of course every generation has its own influences and I certainly didn't have, you know, what kids today have, like with all the Instagram, the social media. However, um, you know, starting a business in this also, and in the fitness industry, you know, fitness and health gives me a sense of what the kids are going through. And I always think about like, what would like the 15 year old version of me have done with this? And I, you know, and I'll, I'll see sometimes that I'm struggling with some like boundary setting. And I'm like, I'm an adult. I thought I dealt with this, you know, and I was like, I thought I did all the inner work. And of course you realize that, you know, there's so many more layers to the subject and you don't know until you've been in a situation where someone tries to push that boundary and you're like, okay, well, how do I deal with that? So that's a big part of like the coaching that I'm doing where, you know, first it's providing a safe space to even have a conversation. And then learning to first of all when you're identifying the boundaries that you know what is a boundary like what does that look like what does it not look like um when we're saying establishing a boundary i think we've seen especially in the last couple of years what happens when you establish a boundary not everyone's going to like what you have to say or what you're doing and i think people that might have been in your world Prior to you having a boundary might have benefited from you not having one. So the minute that you enforce it, you get objections, you get resistance. And of course, that can vary in what it looks and sounds like. But I mean, I, I'm sure top of mind, you can think of some examples where you established a boundary.
0: I'm trying to somebody think.
1: Said, you know, <laughs> what happened when you said no, or, mm-hmm. you know, you put, you put your foot down and people didn't like it, right? Like, and how did we get here? So it's um, how
0: tough that is too. Like it really is even someone who are are confident people who are Mm -hmm. um, you think, okay, well, what's my boss going to say? What are my coworkers going to say? If I'm the only one in the building having this certain boundary and then what are the people in my industry going to say? So it wasn't just friends. It was like, what's a whole community of people that I've spent my life sort of intertwining with going to say about me. And you're right, it can really rattle you, and when you're put to the test, how do you know you're going to stick to that boundary and so to instill yeah. that into a uh, into our young girls early on is is super important
1: a lot of it is something I wish I had known, and you know this is where sometimes and i I think a lot of people might feel this way they're like, am I doing enough as a parent am i um you know, I'm really trying it. And some might feel like, well, I don't have this down. Like, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to model something that I have not learned how to do very well or how to do it and talk about it? Because then like, like we said, language can be tricky. How do you model without necessarily talking about it? Because the kids are always watching. And especially as, as you know, a mother figure. And when I say mom, it doesn't necessarily have to be the biological mom. It's like, who's the female role model that is taking care of this tween, that the tween sees every day and sees like, sees what you're doing. Like if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you're doing is getting on the scale and that's part of your normal routine, if the scale number is defining your day, like that's like a mental message to your child and you're not like for you, maybe you're just totally in your own world and you're just like, that's what I'm doing for myself, right? That's just what I've learned to do. And sometimes it's the things that we're doing without realizing who's watching And just what we're allowing as the messages, right? Mm. So when we're talking about boundaries, we'll look at what is it I want to say? Like, what are my values? What are the things that are really important to me? Because that helps define like the boundaries are based on those values, right? So when you come down to it, if you don't understand what your values are, it's really hard to stand your ground when somebody keeps pushing, you know, and you're like, well, everyone is mad at me. Everyone's mad at me, right? And you're you might feel like the outcast, and it's really hard being outside of the tribe because you don't yes. have shared resources. Yes. You don't have mental and emotional support. And so to be able to stand your ground when everyone keeps saying that you're not cool, that you know there's something wrong with you, how do you overcome that? So that's where when we're, you know coaching together and we're you know in the safe space and I'm coaching, the The mothers, we're having that conversation and we're doing the role play and seeing like, okay, well, in your situation, what are some common things that come up for you? We're going to try things out. We're going to try out certain scenarios, like language and how to kind of address that. I will, you know, push and push and so that I can like put it in the, in the field kind of simulation. Then you go out and try it out and then we just keep working at it. Mm. And it's not one of those things that you're just going to figure out overnight because, you really have to figure out with your environment. You know, it's like you're learning a skill. And meanwhile, you're learning a lot about yourself, which can be uncomfortable. So you really need somebody who's willing to be like, you know, I don't know how to do this very well. I want, I have tools in my toolbox, but I want more of them. I want more awareness and I wanna learn how to do this. And maybe, you know, if I'm in an environment where other people are doing this, I will learn from them as well. Cause I'm constantly learning and um i've I've learned plenty of things in the last couple of years about what kind of objections I'm going to get, how people will look at me. But then ultimately, it's like, does the other person's opinion, or the strangers for that matter, do they define how I feel about myself? And whose voice will be the loudest in the end? And it should always be mine, because my opinion of me is more important than the opinion of like thousands of other people who might be writing like nasty messages about me on the internet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a big thing when you realize <laughs> that it's important to like yourself. Yes. I'm not sure when that became a priority for me. I forget when it was, but I just remember it happening. And uh, I'm like, wow, all this time I've been trying to please an audience or please a boss or please the cute girl down the street right. or my buddies, but I, I actually want to feel... Did I like myself?
1: <laughs> I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm trying to pinpoint the moment where I was like, you know, enough is enough. And I think it was more around when I felt like, I don't even know if it's like a rock- bottom moment, but it's just when you feel like you're you're letting yourself down. Mm. And it's that moment where, you know, here you are people pleasing, you know, throughout your life. And I feel like women especially are kind of socialized into that role of people pleasing. So I know with myself, I've spent a lot of time like undoing things that I've learned over time, because, mm. you know, you go out into the world, you have all of these messages that were sent to you about how you should be. Don't be difficult. Don't be loud. Those are the kind of messages I got. And when you do that, and you go out into the world and you Do what you were told to do, you feel like you've let yourself down, like something's wrong. You know, you don't feel self expressed. I'm not happy. I'm not actually getting the things that I want. I I feel almost like used. I, I think it's a really disheartening moment when you realize that the things you've been taught in the world have like an underlying motive, like with media, or it's like kind of disheartening when you realize at one point you're like, okay. I really have to do my own research. I can't just trust what is said to me. I can't just, you know, absorb the information and just follow along. Like questioning things is really important. And, you know, this whole critical thinking skill that's taught in school has been so interesting to watch, especially over the last couple of years, because critical thinking is one of the things we're graded on in school. Read a passage, answer questions about like what you read, and we're going to see how well, how developed your critical thinking skills are. So, and I'm finding over time, anybody who's kind of, who's really developed that skill has been attacked. Attacked for asking questions, attacked for not just accepting things and saying, well, why is that? You know, is there a different way to think about this subject? I feel like there's just layers and layers of issues here um, when it comes to boundaries, because you want to ask questions, asking questions and being you know, curious are always going to be good things. And I guess it really, see, like good and bad. See, even these words, I mm-hmm. find myself using them and I'm like, no, no, because who's defined good? Who's defined bad? Right. Mm-hmm. See, I'm having my own lesson right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I mean, because it's, it's that moment where you think about all these words coming out of your mouth and you're like, hold on a second. What does that even mean? Like, what is good? What is bad? And so, see, see, I'm still, mm-hmm. still, still on my own mm-hmm. journey. But like looking at the whole critical thinking, it's like stand in your power. You set a boundary of what, you know, you, what you want to do. Somebody has a problem with it. Somebody has a problem that you're asking questions that you're not just accepting things because maybe your way of processing is to ask questions and you just kind of, you get into this point where it feels like you're being persecuted. So I think really with boundary setting, ultimately at the like core of it, it's learning who you are learning what you value and truly being happy with who you are and so when you're establishing boundaries like that's not that's not an easy thing because then you're going to get like i said the ambush of objections and resistance so part of the coaching that we're doing together is learning to win the mental game of this like back and forth and ultimately over time when you learn you know how to give yourself a pep talk or how to really create that mental boundary of who you let in, because people will say things to you, I think throughout your life, will have an opinion about you with little to no information about you. They have already decided something, they've labeled you, they've boxed you in, and it really won't matter what you say to change that. And there comes a moment, I think, where we just have to learn what we let in. When you're growing up in an online world, a lot of the people commenting on you are behind a screen. I think we just really need to learn how to navigate this process. It's gonna be an ongoing journey, but if you're ready and willing to do that, that's gonna be one more tool in your toolbox. Uh, Not just like between years, right? It helps you as the parent because there's gonna be things in your own life that you're managing, whether it's at work with your own spouse, with the people, you know, anyone. Maybe you're at a holiday dinner And people are asking invasive questions about your life.
0: Right?
1: (laughs) How do you deal with that? (laughs) Right. Right?
0: I, I think we're hardwired. I think I've seen some studies on this. Like we're hardwired to fit in with the group. Like you just mentioned, it means that we are pooling resources. There are a lot of survival reasons why we are. It feels to be excluded from the group. It feels like actually physically painful.
1: It does. Nobody wants to be alone. Like it's harder we're social creatures, like we need to be with others and we're sharing resources, we're sh- we're having support. And I think, especially over the last couple of years, feeling isolated, feeling isolated, just you feel lost because you're like, does anybody else feel the way I do? Then you kind of question yourself, like maybe I am wrong, right? Mm. Wrong and right, good and bad, like all these words that just, what do they even mean and who defined them? Right. Like I studied psychology when I was in university. It was one of my majors. One of the classes, I think it was one of the studies in social psychology where we talked about the Milgram study. It's Mm, like the shock mm. experiment. I just remember reading it and finding it super disturbing. You know, you had people in white lab coats telling the participants in this study to shock people in another room, the people who were doing the shocking thought they were actually shocking other people. You know, they were being told to keep doing it, even though the people in the other room were screaming.
0: Taking orders from the person in the lab coat.
1: The authority figure. Yeah. What I walked away from was so many people end up doing it, keep going beyond their comfort level because somebody, like an authority figure, kept telling them to do it. You know, that stuck with me for many years. And, you know, when I look around right now in our current circumstances around the world of just being told to do certain things or you're good, you're bad, you're doing the wrong thing or you're doing the right thing. Like depending on the country you're in, you would have heard different messages. Mm -hmm. And so that whole thing of going back to what is good and what is bad, who is a, you know, I, I live in Canada as do you. So it's like, who's a good Canadian? Who's a bad one? You know, that ultimately goes back to what you learned as a child growing up what are the definitions of those words so it's even it's like hitting something that you've already defined in your mind over like different experiences of if you're bad this ends up happening to you if you're good so to see it as an adult and see somebody else using these words just kind of just reinforces it and who wants to be the outcast that's hard Mm -hmm. right so to stand up and be like no there aren't enough words to show how much strength and courage that it takes to do that, to keep to your values and say like, no, like I have, you know, people have like medical boundaries, they have sexual boundaries, they have boundaries around food. So that's why the conversation and the work that we would do together, it permeates every area of your life. So once you have that skill set, you're like, okay, well, where else can I use this? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the same sort of like tactics on how you approach things, because I'm, I'm sure you can attest that there may have been moments in your life where people asked really inappropriate questions. You might've been caught off guard. And I don't know about you, but I've had moments where, (laughs) you know, they ask the question and my mouth is going faster than my brain. And I just blurt out something. And then I'm like, You know, Mm. like, and then I feel violated. I'm like, my mouth just kept going.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I'm like, no, like it's so invasive. And yet, so that's part of the like slowing down. And maybe that's part of the strategy. So don't answer everything. And and this is part of the learning or the unlearning, should I say, Mm. is not every question deserves an answer. People can ask you whatever they want, but that doesn't mean that you, they're entitled to the answer. And you know we've been so socialized and when you have messages all around you that seem to be on the surface projecting like the same message it can get very confusing and then you have like on top of that you have your idea of good and bad right so it's just multiplying on just how people get swayed
0: and and the fact that we're canadian and we're just oh, so that, damn yes. polite
1: yes I I wouldn't want to like disturb the peace.
0: (laughs) Of course not. No. (laughs)
1: That is a huge one. And I think uh, especially with, you know, some of the political things that have been happening in the last couple of years, I remember when the trucker convoy happened, some of the commentary around the world was like, even the Canadians are doing this. Like if they're doing it, if they are speaking up, oh my God, we're gonna be speaking up yeah. because we have a certain image in the world about who we are and who we're not. Yeah, right So that I found that was so interesting in the last year or so just to watch headlines and watch people kind of take their power back, really, mm-hmm. take you know get their take their voice and, and use it and keep using it to stand their ground on like what they believe in. And so it's just been, uh, it's been an interesting time kind of developing my material for my my coaching program. I'm seeing it around the world, how it's working. And it's just so interesting. And I don't think we've talked about, you know, political events in the last couple of years with this kind of language, like with boundaries, but ultimately that's what people are doing.
0: When you're looking for a coach, it is so nice to be chatting with someone, you know, they're not going to roll their eyes at you with certain personal boundaries you have made So I just want to say that (laughs) like, because when you're, when you're working with a coach, like it's a personal experience, you've got to be vulnerable.
1: So in the coaching world, we call it creating a safe container. Mm. It's creating this space of like confidentiality and safety. That's how I felt when I saw your story and, and we met for the first time, it's that safe place. And I had like an instant connection with you on like our shared values And, and feeling like, just like you said, it's like. Can I talk to him about certain things? Is he going to look at me like I'm crazy? Mm -hmm. You know, all those words, those words we've heard over time that have labeled people and and isolated them, you know? So so thank you for what you're doing, for providing that space. It's Mm -hmm. all, language is just so fascinating when you think about it. You don't necessarily hear it until somebody says it back to you. You're like, oh my God, there's another word. Another word that I have to think about and be like, what do I feel about this word? So that's a bit another part of the coaching where it's like, look at all these trigger words for like the health industry or like fitness and health, skinny,
0: fat, Mm, right? or
1: some of the other ones I said about food, good, bad, or as an individual, you're good, you're bad. For women, maybe trigger words might be like the scale or, or extra large. Like what is extra large? you know, there's a whole other discussion about clothing and it's like nothing is standardized in the clothing stores. So you might be extra large in one place, but you're a medium in another. There's such a gap. So being a size six or being a size zero means something for people, but who defined that? So that's where it's like reestablishing, reframing words, what they mean to us, what they don't. I feel like that's part of the assessment that you would do to figure out, where you sit with everything and then like where you want to have boundaries. Maybe you just don't look at the sizes anymore. I don't want to weigh myself. Why am I weighing myself? What does the number on the scale mean to you? Because you could do that same activity and it might mean something different for you when you're in a different place in your life. So I think it's just words and actions that we have to look at and just kind of break them down and doing it in a place where you feel safe to ask questions and to talk about it and not feel like I did it wrong. Mm. I'm a bad mom. No, you're not a bad mom. You're doing the best that you can with what you know. And it's, it's the same way. Like I can't fault my parents for what I didn't learn. They did the best they could with what they knew. And, and then it was my turn, you know, going out into the world with everything I knew through my own experiences to start learning more about things and seeing like, well, what's my opinion? Cause sometimes we don't even realize The voices around us are so loud that have you actually formed an opinion of your own about this? Or is it just repeating what other people are saying? So it's a lot sometimes, but I feel like.
0: That's why you need coaching.
1: If you're up to the task, I'm here for you.
0: (laughs) How did you dial in on the fitness industry?
1: You know, initially it wasn't even a business. It was like, I was working on myself prior to doing my MBA. I was taking care of somebody who's terminally ill in my family who had cancer. And I was one of the like primary caregivers. So I really had a front row seat to mm. the end days, being around people on their deathbed and what they wish they had done. And you just kind of see what really matters in the end, in those moments and what doesn't, of course, because I was taking care of him, you kind of put your own needs aside and you have focused on somebody else. And that's when you're not able to be the best caregiver you can be if you're ignoring yourself. Mm-hmm. And I found that I had ignored myself through the process. So, you know, finding the fitness industry was really my solution to my own like demise throughout that period, where it was like, I have to get to a place where, you know, I'm eating better because I hadn't been. I had been like full-on kind of focused on, you know, being the part of the support team. And so I was looking for information for health and fitness and for nutrition that because I had never learned it in school. So I was like, if you know, if I'm gonna do it, here was the other problem. It was like, okay, well, where do I go to find information that is not conflicting? It was just inundating. So I went to um. I was in a, like a boot camp type fitness group before. Mm. So the um, same people that were offering that started training people to become fitness trainers. So I was like, it wasn't a goal to actually be a trainer, but I was like, I will do the official program where I know that people are learning, you know, correct things. So that's really how I got into the whole, like studying it and looking at it. And of course, when you're learning stuff, I just like naturally, I was like, oh, I didn't know this, you know, every week, in your class you're learning something and i started applying it to myself so how did this become a business you become a walking billboard after a while after you start working on it like initially it's you feel it inside you feel changes and you're like oh i feel much better you know i tried things with like nutrition and then because it's now affecting your physique people who knew you come up to you and they're like okay I've been watching you and I've been like, you're shrinking over time <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like you, you look healthier, like, what are you doing? And as an entrepreneur, they always look at like the no like, and trust factor. People usually have to buy into what you're doing by knowing you, liking you, and then trusting you. And when you have your friends and family, they've already kind of crossed those thresholds already. Mm-hmm. So they're more likely to believe you when I see you and you're like, you look different. Everything about you seems more vibrant. So That was when I kind of shifted into the industry and making this a business. But specifically with girls, it was mostly like, I started in-home training with um, people like my age. So women that were like in their twenties or thirties. But the thing I was finding was that it didn't matter how good the program was, like I can give you, I can put the exercises down on paper, tell you what you're supposed to do, what you should eat. But if you're not consistent, if you don't do it, you know, or you start and you stop, not going to see results and so that's where i started focusing in on i'm like okay well what's the problem here it's like the mental game these self-defeating comments like where do those come from so i was like okay i have to start looking at a younger age group because i want to focus on where the problem is starting so that was my focus i'm like i want to attack the problem at the young age where it's starting so that hopefully they're on a like happier path and then you build on it over time. Because when you're in your twenties, if you've already established these thought patterns, we have to break that down, unlearn oh, it, yeah. and then we work on it. Because people are like, well, it's not working. I'm like, well, there's like the pre-work and then there's the work, like the mm-hmm. fitness part of it. And I'm not saying that the fitness part is easier, but it's easier to keep with it when you feel better about yourself. It's a big mindset shift, I think, in the world. But that was really the focus of getting to that age group and looking at how can I take things I've learned as a young girl growing up and use it here.
0: So you decide you want to really focus on preteens, and then you decide I want to focus on the moms of those preteens. How does that work?
1: One thing that I think is um, difficult to do is to tell a teenager or an almost like a preteen what to do and then mm. have them listen to you like, well, what do you know? They don't want to hear it from you. so you can have the same message coming from somebody else and it'll be accepted maybe a bit more. However, I find that the reason why I'm working with the moms is because ultimately at the end of the day, the female role model, it's important that that person is in line with what I'm saying, because I can say whatever I want. But if you go home to a completely different environment that isn't in support of what I'm saying, it's not going to go well. Mm. So we all have to be on board together. The best way I can do that is to make sure that the parent, the one making the decisions, is aware of how that person is showing up. Like, how are you showing up in your household for your child? Is that the way you want to show up? And if not, we're going to work on that together and get you to a place where it is what you want to say. And that's going to look different for each person because ultimately it comes down to your values. Like, what do you want to teach your kid? That might be different than the person down the street.
0: I mean, there's we would literally do anything for our kids. If we can just model good behavior, instead of watching our kids follow the, Wrong path that maybe we took, and then having them to unlearn it. Once you wrap your mind around that, it's like, okay, yes, this is a part of being a parent.
1: And the other thing is like, it's not about perfection. So, everything in moderation, like, you're not always going to eat perfectly to maybe the proportions that we're talking about. It's more about what are small shifts we can make over time that will have the biggest impact. And you will identify what those are. First, let's figure out where you're at. Do you have boundaries? Do you not? So if you know what your values are and you know which ones are most important to you, those are the ones we're going to work on. It's also most important and biggest impact.
0: Um, You've got this new one-on-one coaching program. It's a 12-week thing.
1: Through the 12 weeks, we have essentially three phases, identifying boundaries, establishing boundaries, and then modeling them. And so with the first phase we're really looking at establishing um, a baseline for you, figuring out, like, where do you stand on these subjects? What do you value? What do you want to target in terms of boundaries? And what our starting point is? And then we move into phase two. Now we're going into the enforcement mode. So what is your game plan on enforcing it? And how are you going to enforce it? Now looking at by yourself, basically, we're not because we're not at the modeling stage yet, we're looking at you specifically as the mom. Because if we're teaching the skill in the first phase when we we're talking about identifying boundaries, that was in the context of like the adult for the mom. Like what is she seeing as a boundary? What is important to her as a parent to instill in her child? And so when we're in the establishing phase, establishing boundaries, we're taking what she just learned. And we're like creating a new story because oftentimes you have to reframe what you know about certain things. So you want to basically create your new story about what your boundary is Mm. and how you feel about it, how you feel about certain words. And then you go into the field and you put that to work to see like, okay, well, if I have figured out my new story what my boundary is and how I want to enforce it. Well, I have to go actually out there now in the real world Mm -hmm. and actually enforce this boundary and have a game plan for what I will do when I get objections. Mm -hmm. So part of creating your plan is like, okay, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to do. What are things I've already experienced as like pushback? And so we work together to figure out like, okay, how are we going to address those things? So we come up with a plan, but of course, no plan is ever without like its holes in the first iterations, because some people might have creative responses to the things (laughs) that you're saying. And you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. So we're not going to get everything, but we're going to get the tools to kind of break things down and to figure out, okay, if I have a systematic way of approaching this, I can take on different situations.
0: Listen, you're the best.
1: Thank you. You've been doing such great work too. I've been watching you. I don't want to say stalking. That's a little too (laughs) abrasive, but I've been watching you too. So I, I love what you've been doing.
0: Thank you so much.